Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. Join me as we continue the story of the Jewish high priest Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth, and the birth of their son John the Baptist, who proclaimed the coming Messiah in search of the historical Jesus. The infancy narratives is a term applied to the accounts of the birth and early life of Jesus, as given in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Both accounts are concerned with showing the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies in the Christ event. Although infancy narratives open two of the four Gospels, biblical scholars generally assign them last in the order of composition thus suggesting that the Passion story was composed first, reflecting the early Christian community's effort to make sense of the crucifixion of their Messiah. Next were added accounts of Jesus' ministry, and only afterwards did the infancy accounts evolve, answering to human curiosity about Jesus' origins. Let's examine the infancy narratives with the help of theologian minister Dr. Ralph F. Wilson. Infancy Narratives, Zechariah's Vision in the Temple, based on Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 25. Zechariah has been praying for a child for many years. Now when the answer comes, he doesn't really believe it. Let's look briefly at each point of the angel's message. 1. Do not be afraid. Zechariah needs some reassuring just now. 2. Your prayer has been heard. Sometimes we pray and pray, and because we don't get an answer, we think God hasn't heard. Zechariah has been praying for a child for many years. Now, when the answer comes, he doesn't really believe it. 3. Elizabeth will bear you a son. But Elizabeth is past childbearing age, like Sarah and Abraham. 4. You were to call him John, which means Yahweh is gracious, which, when you think about it, was John the Baptist's chief message, baptism for the forgiveness of sin. 5. He will be a joy and delight to you. A son, after all these years? Yes, a joy and delight. 6. Many will rejoice because of his birth. Can you imagine the rejoicing at the birth of a child born to an elderly barren woman, plus the rejoicing at Zechariah's healing and prophecy? 7. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Jesus says of him, Among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. 8. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. That is, he is to be a Nazarite, taking a special kind of vow before God. 9. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Under the Old Covenant, to be filled with the Holy Spirit was rare the privilege of a few prophets and kings only. 10. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. Many had strayed from true allegiance to the Lord, and John brings them back in a genuine revival that immediately precedes Jesus' own ministry. John's message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, is later picked up by Jesus. The result of this message is to turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, a quote from Malachi. And 11, he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. 
John the Baptist fulfills Malachi's prophecy, Malachi 4, 5-6. through 6. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Jesus confirms to his disciples that, indeed, John does fulfill this prophecy. 12. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John sees himself fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, quoting Isaiah 43-5. If I were Zechariah, my head would be swimming, and I would feel shell-shocked by now. What amazing words! What amazing promises about a son who is not yet born! But instead of rising to faith, Zechariah sinks to doubt. Verses 18 through 20. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. What a contrast with Mary who, when the birth of Jesus is announced, doesn't respond with, how can this happen, like Zechariah, but how will this happen, and I am the handmaiden of the Lord, may it be to me as you have said. I find it amazing, but true to life, that upright, moral, church-going people, even ministers, can be so filled with unbelief, so immersed in a secular, scientific worldview, that they are unable to bring themselves to believe that God can work a contemporary miracle. Some even construct elaborate theologies to explain why God can't, won't, or shouldn't perform a miracle today. At Zechariah's statement, filled with unbelief, you can almost see the angel who considers himself questioned by this mere mortal draw himself up to his full height and say, I am Gabriel. The name probably means God's valiant one. He is named twice in the book of Daniel, and six months later announces Jesus' birth to Mary. I stand in the presence of God. He is a messenger by appointment from God himself to Zechariah. How dare Zechariah question God? I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Centuries before, Gabriel had been sent in swift flight to Daniel. God had specifically sent him to tell the good news to Zechariah, and Zechariah blows it. During this time, outside the temple, we read, verses 21 to 22, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. The week is over, and Zechariah returns from his awesome experience in the holy place to the small highland village he calls home, verses 23 to 25. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In those days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Sure enough, he gets old Elizabeth pregnant, but he can't speak to her about it. For now, she does the speaking. The Lord has done this for me, she says, with joy written all over her face. No more does she feel disgraced and shamed among the women of the village because of her inability to bear a child. 
Now she is wonderfully pregnant and attributes it to God's favor. Zechariah is shamed, and Elizabeth is honored. I see two primary lessons here. One, John's birth is of vital importance to what God is doing, so important that it is heralded by an angel in the very temple itself. We do well to pay heed to John's message for ourselves. Indeed, many of Jesus' disciples were John's disciples initially. And two, we must avoid an attitude of unbelief. We see Zechariah and Nicodemus, both righteous, godly men, but both spiritually dull. It is not your religious qualifications that matter, but your heart's openness to God that counts. I believe this spiritual seeking is an important qualification for those who would follow Jesus as his disciples. What can you do to nurture an attitude of faith, of belief, of spiritual sensitivity and openness? I think it begins with humility, repentance, and prayer. Read David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. Ask God to create in you a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within you. Ask for the joy of your salvation. Ask for a willing spirit. Ask for a broken and contrite heart. But also read and study the Word of God, asking God to reveal His truth to your heart. The Apostle Paul writes, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. Romans 10.17 Fortunately, God does not leave Zechariah in disgrace forever though I expect those nine months seemed like an eternity. When the baby is born, God releases something new and wonderful in his spirit. Zechariah himself is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesies God's words. God can make a wonderful disciple out of an old, set-in-his-ways priest. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y using the code 30605.